Alright, I want to welcome on my next guest, Bryant McKinney, Super Bowl champion, national champion, pro bowler. Bryant, how's everything going? Pretty good. Good, good, good. Um, how, how's the quarantine situation going? You getting by or you're just ready for everything to get back? Yeah, I'm getting by. Um, I actually this week just started back kind of working out one-on-one -on -one with my, I have a trainer. Oh, cool. And, um, so I kind of finally got back with him this week just to kind of start working out. I didn't want to get in this quarantine and get like super big, you know, just because I've been away from people. So I haven't seen like a lot of my friends in about nine weeks. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So for the most part, I've just been home trying to be productive and I got a lot of things done around the house. Oh, cool. um, just business wise, kind of like a lot of things I probably put off, probably try to, you know, got it done. Yeah. And, um, I was doing cardio on my own, like, you know, every other day for like an hour and I bumped it up to like 90 minutes. And, um, I was a guest on Venus Williams has like a home quarantine workout she does Monday. Oh, cool. So she had me as a guest one day. And then, then days when I'm not doing anything, I'll just watch her live and I'll do the workouts alongside as well. That's awesome. That's awesome. To be productive. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause I feel like a lot of times like this, this, this whole situation gives people a lot of time just to, mm -hmm. to do nothing. And I feel like there's some people that'll take advantage of that. And there are also people that yeah, also I don't like, want to do nothing. Yeah. I want to be able to do something. So yes. when it's done, it's like, I feel like I did something and I'm ahead yes. and I'm going to be behind. And I don't want to, I don't want to come out of this and say, dang, I should have did, did, did Like, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. I want to take advantage of this time. And it's like a lot of things that I never probably would have done, like learning how to cook like dinner food. <laughs> is what I've been doing now too. So oh, cool. it saved me money too because now before I used to have a chef or I would hire somebody to do meal preps, but I've been learning how to cook on my own. So oh, cool. Oh, that's saving me money too. So yeah, definitely. I feel like it, it, this kind of all this extra time just gives a lot of people just to do things they never had a chance to. And I think it could be right. it'd be productive. That's awesome. So I want to talk about your early on with your college career. So before you went to Coral Gables, you went to Lackawanna College in Scranton, PA. So what what did you learn there that helped you elevate your game to take it to the next? I level? learned every I learned everything there. Um, I learned how to play left tackle there because uh, coming from high school, I played uh, defensive end. Oh. And this, this story is just funny because um, coming from where I came from, it wasn't a, a big thing to go to a big university out of high school. I came from a small school. We probably graduated like 90-something people. Um, just so happened, somebody mailed in a, a videotape of my, uh, my high school football game to the University of Iowa. And we had a running back that was a year behind me. He was really good. And um, they mailed it in, I think, mainly for him. But when they watched the tape, they were like, well, who's this? <laughs> like, you know, and it was me. And um, when they reached out, they asked about me as well. Like, well, where is he at? Where is he going? And it was after the National Signing Day and everything. And, you know, they were like, as my coach, well, can you put us in touch with him? And then, they, you know, they reached out and they were like, hey, um, we have a relationship at this junior college. It's not too far from you two and a half hour drive uh would you you know we give you a full scholarship if you go there and while you're there we want you to learn how to play offensive line and i'm like offensive line i don't know no offensive lineman like i grew up my favorite player was uh reggie white he had played for the eagles i'm from south jersey so an uh, eagles fan i was i didn't know offensive lineman uh <laughs> back then so i wasn't too excited about that and um but i agreed to it because i was like it's an opportunity to get a free scholarship yeah. Um, so I went there on a the visit and they told me all this stuff and I was like, yeah, okay. And then I just basically, I'm gonna take the free scholarship. I'll try it. Um, and then I went and, um, even when I got there for school, I tried to convince the coach, like, you should let me play defensive line. He's like, but then they had two defense, they had a defensive end 
who came, who was coming back as a sophomore. He was a JUCO All-American. Like, well, we have a JUCO All-American. We have another guy. Like, they had people set already on defense. Yeah. He was like, listen, you're 6'8", you'll get cut blocked a lot. Like, you'll last longer if you play off the line. So he convinced me, and I finally listened, even though I hated it. And then it's like left tackle at that. I'm not left-handed, so now I have to learn how to operate and do everything out of a left-handed stand. So uh, it was just like a mission every day going against somebody who was All-American at their position, yeah. and they're coming and just teeing off with somebody who never played the position. Um, but it actually served in a good purpose for me because uh, I had to learn against somebody who was like the top, you know, one or two in junior college. So – basically getting your bell rung every day <laughs> as you're trying to figure out something new can be pretty frustrating. Yeah. But it was funny. Just overall, I remember when I, I grew up playing basketball, I wrestled first and then grew up playing basketball cool. and then played football to high school. So I remember when I went to make the transition to football, my grandma was like, Oh, you're not going to like it. You're going to go back to basketball. Da, da, da. So every time I had those doubts in my head um, yeah. about football, I would always hear her say, Oh, you're not going to like it. Until you. So it was just like, let me just keep going. And um, basically, it became to a certain point, like, I guess, like, maybe game one or two. You know, you have uh, training camp and all those things, and that's, like, the end of July or, like, or August. And then you have, like a, like, a month or so of just learning. And I think probably, like, second or third week of the season, you know, you do warm-ups against the, the um, defensive line. And um, I think it all started with, um, it was a big tackle. He was like 300 pounds. I wasn't 300 pounds yet. Um, named uh, Kevin Johnson. And so, mind you, Kevin and um, the other guy named was Nate Russ, who the defensive end. Yeah. Was Those two were the premier D linemen. Kevin was a D tackle, and Nate was defensive end. Um, so Kevin was more the run guy. Yeah. Nate was the, the pass rush, but Nate was kind of both. Um, Kevin ended up going to South Carolina on the scholarship. Oh, cool. Nate ended up going to Maryland. And Nate also was good in baseball, too. So then when he got to Maryland, he kind of went more in the baseball lane. But um, it started with us having to do run blocking drills before a game. And I kind of did a run blocking, and I was driving him off the ball. And the coach was like, do it again. <laughs> and then it was like, oh. So I did it again, and then it was just like, he was like, do it again. Now, you're only supposed to go twice. I did it the third time. And then he was like, do it again. I was like, listen, we got a game. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> you know, he's still competing against me. He's like, I'm, I finally figured it out. I'm always that person who yeah. I have to figure out, like, okay, even though you keep kicking my butt, I'm still trying to figure out what am I doing wrong? What are you doing? Yeah. And then you got to remember, too, when I first got um, when I first got into college, my birthday is in September. Okay. So I was still 17. Um, those first, you know, yeah. My, you know, my birthday ended September. So those first couple of games, I was still 17. So I'm still developing. You know what I mean? Those guys are like 20. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm 17. So I'm still developing and everything. Um, so it's like a light bulb went off. So then eventually in a practice, like not too far after that, the guy, um, Nate Russ, who I was going against, and for his pass protection, I started blocking him. He couldn't get past me no more. And he was getting frustrated and, like, kind of wanted to fight. And I was like, well, I know how to fight. <laughs> I know how to play left tackle for a while. So, if you want to do this part, I'm okay with that. <laughs> so, you know, he got frustrated. But then he kind of, like, never really went there. But, you know, just when somebody's used to doing something. Yeah. And also now they're just being kind of totally stopped. And now it's like, what's going on? It's basically the tides have turned. 
I'm maturing, developing. I'm now probably just about just turning 18 and figuring things out. And I mean, you have so many times to keep doing the same thing to me. Like I'm not going to just sit there. I, I go home and I'm thinking, I'm watching film. Like yeah. what, do, what do I need to do? And I, and I figured it out. So then from there on, it was just like, that's it. You're done. Like <laughs> no more getting busy. So, um, what happened for me was towards the end of that, well, at the end of that season, um, I ended up becoming Juco All-American myself. Oh, cool. Right. But also, um, remember I told you that the, the guy from Iowa had came, he's, he's the one who yeah. sent me there. Yeah. So I had an agreement with Iowa that uh, I would go to Lackawanna for two years and then I would transfer it to Iowa. Yeah. So that was my thing. But what happened is um, after my first year and I became Juco All-American, um, Hayden Fry retired. What's the odds of that? He retired after my first year there. So he retired. All those coaches get fired. So now my contract with Iowa is is gone because that's, it was with that coach. That's wild. So um, now it becomes open season now. Now other people can recruit me because before nobody could recruit me. Interesting. Nobody could send me a letter or anything. But now it became everybody could kind of have free game. And now I've become All-American, too. So now I'm on other schools' radars. And so now I'm able to get letters and, and all type of things. So started getting letters. And, like, a lot of, um, you know, my teammates always would come in and see, like, who sent me a letter this week, you know, stuff like that. You know, just being excited. And um, I started taking visits. And then, uh, like, um, I went to Rutgers just because I guess I'm from New Jersey. Yeah. Um, I went to uh, Syracuse. I went to, at the time, Penn State wasn't taking junior college transfers. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I, I think I helped change that because, you know, I ended up having to go against them um, yeah. my senior year at Penn, yeah. uh, my senior year in Miami. And they remember. They, they remember that. that. They do. Because <laughs> you know why? That was part of the article leading up to it. It, it mentioned um, how I kind of wanted to go there on a visit or something like that. And it, it was a thing about it, you know what I mean? And then now, at this point, I was an All-American at Miami. And we kicked their butt in their new stadium. But, uh... <laughs> and then at Miami, at Miami, so the, the roster, it's probably the most loaded roster in the history of college football. So it's you, Frank Gore, I gotta write this down because so many, so many guys. You, Frank Gore, Clinton Portis, Andre Johnson, Jeremy Shockey, Kellen Winslow, Willis McGahee on defense, Ed Reed, Jonathan Vilma, Vince Wilfork, Rocky McIntosh, Antro Roll, and a young Sean Taylor. Did you know that team was like, all right, we got this team is loaded? Well, at the time, no. I, no? I, was, I knew everybody was pretty good. But a, as you look back on it, you realize it. Because, you mean, I mean, you still are missing some people who are on my team. Um, depending on what year you're talking about, you still had Santana Moss and Reggie Wayne. Oh, yeah. Who were teammates? Well, who, uh, yeah. Wow. Um, you had Bubba Franks, who was uh, a good tight end as well, who's on that team. Um, so, yeah, I I don't know. It was at the time we just all knew that we were very competitive and we wanted to be the best, and we also didn't mind competing against each other because we felt like we'd make each other better. And if we um, compete real hard in practice, we felt like the games would be a little easier. And to me, I think they were. And especially by the time it came to my senior year. Um, our goal was to be out by the fourth quarter to give our backups a chance to get reps and get time yeah. in the live game. So, therefore, they have game experience as well. And I feel like we did a good job doing that because we really looked at our scores from the 2001 season. I think we blew everybody out by 21 points yeah. or better, except yeah. for, like, two teams. So, that was always the goal is to 
get a big enough lead where, okay, our backups can go in, and we'll sit on the fourth quarter and talk about what we're doing later on. And then I have a question. So, so I was looking at the roster, and it made me think. So I saw that um, Jarrett Payton was on the team. Did, did, mm. did you ever get a chance to meet his father before he tragically passed away? No, we talked to him because he passed away um, our first year there. Jarrett came in the same year in Miami in 99 with me as well. So we've talked to him on the phone a few times um, before he passed away. Um, I never got a chance to meet him, though, because I felt like when he came in, not too far after Jared came in, his dad was already sick. Yeah, he was really and sick. Was and what's crazy is he, Jared lived across the hall from me. So Vernon Carey lived next door to me, and Jared lived across the hall from Vernon. So we all were in a single suite. So we were all pretty close because we all were neighbors. And um, I remember when Jared went home for his dad's funeral, and then we put together like uh, <laughs> a party, like to cheer him up. Yeah. And um, it was me, Vern. It was me and Vernon, and it was a place called Pet O'Brien's here, right? And we, I became friends with the owners, and I'm like, well, let us throw a little party, and they couldn't pay us, but uh, it was like we just wanted to do it anyway. So we promoted, and we put flyers in everybody's mailboxes around campus, and it turned out to be like the biggest party ever. So that everybody, um, we would do it like once a semester. And, like, the whole school would come. It, it'd be, like, so internal. But it started off for us doing it for Jared Payton to check up. And then Ed Reed became, like, our MC. Yeah. And he'd be, like, wow. and hype up everything. Yeah, so it was me, Jared Payton, Vernon Carey, and then Ed Reed was, like, our MC on the microphone. <laughs> we, like, hyped up, you know, the party. <laughs> That's wild. That's incredible. And then, so, also, also on the defense, you had a young Sean Taylor. Did you have a feeling this kid, this kid was different? Oh, yeah, with him. Because with Sean Taylor and Kellen Winslow, I feel like they didn't have a sense of – they would just throw their body because, like, uh, Kellen Winslow was on uh, special teams as well. So, oh, okay. people have to run down off on kickoff, you know, kickoffs and tackle people and stuff like that. So, those two didn't have a sense – I feel like, like, almost they didn't have no pain tolerance. Like, uh, they just would run down and, like, really just try to blow people up and run through people. So, I would look at them like, they crazy. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> but uh, Sean definitely um, – was very athletic and very physical, and you see that right away. I remember one time Sean got in trouble for something, and they put him on scout team, and it was like the worst mistake ever because he would lighten somebody <laughs> up. And it was like y'all, he gonna get somebody hurt. Like y'all gonna take him off because he now was like, I'm gonna take it out on whoever. But it was like he can't be on scout team because to hurt our starter. Like so, yeah. That's incredible. That's incredible. And then. So fast, so 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 fast forward to the national championship. You was walking park for you guys. Uh, national championship, two oh uh, two thousand one. So against Nebraska. Yeah, to that yeah, like the whole thing was like uh, Miami always wanted to be intimidating off the field, and then when you got on the field too, then it's really kick your butt. So we would see them at like a lot of we had like a lot of different events. We were seeing yeah. that we seen them and I think Disney World or somewhere we were at, and they were there and just do stuff, say things, intimidate them. We were at Jay Leno's show, and they were part of the crowd, too. Like, they split us on one side of them and get up there. You had to rap against them. Like, they had called people to rap. And we just always do intimidating things. They'd be in the club. Me, as a picture. I have a picture of me, Vernon, and Ed Reed. And we had the microphone because, we, remember, we were doing parties yeah. already. And so we had the microphone, and you had whoever was running the club. Like, he's holding it, and we're all, like, on it. Like, and we're, like, only shouting out the <laughs> University of Miami. And we're, like, hogging the microphone the whole night. And, the guy's trying to, like, you know, say something about Nebraska, but we won't let him, and it's like, uh, we're the only ones here. <laughs> it, it, it was funny um, how we were, but uh, 
when we got in that game, we just felt like that we had more speed and they felt like those guys were big and they would be more physical, but we felt like we were fast and physical. And that's how, how we attacked it. And uh, just being uh, feeling like that we kind of got robbed out of the national championship the year before yeah. because we lost the second game of the season, but we ended up beating the number one team overall, yeah. which is Florida State. And they ended up still playing in the national championship against Oklahoma. And we felt like with that, we should have played. Yeah. And if Oklahoma, if Florida State would have beat Oklahoma, we would have split the national championship with them. So our motto, um, they lost. Yeah. So our motto uh, was controlling our own destiny going into our, you know, going into that following yeah. season is we can't rely on anybody else. We have to control our own destiny. And us losing one game let us know that we were – that didn't put us in the national championship game, so we couldn't afford to lose any. Yeah. Um, even though we had some close calls like Virginia Tech and even Boston College, <laughs> we still were able to get through it. And then once we got there, I, once we got there, I knew we were going to win. I was like, we come this far, like, not to, to win. So once we were there, it was like we were excited to be there. And then we felt like Nebraska, like, they don't stand a chance against us. And we kind of went out there and kind of showed that they didn't. And it wasn't even close. Like, I think we beat them probably by, like, at least 21 or so, too. Yeah, that's wild. And then – so then fast forward to the draft. So we just finished up the NFL draft about a month ago. Different mm-hmm. different, different process, different climate going on. First time, yeah. Yeah, what was instrumental during that draft process and then, and then after, and after the draft that to help you that these guys now are missing out on? So during the draft – so explain to me what you mean, like as far so, as what they're missing out on. So like to the to the draft, so they had the combine, really didn't have, they really couldn't do any in person interviews or anything. that kind of got picked, and then everything's really virtual right now, and it's kind of. Well, uh, yeah, what those guys missed out on is pro timing day. Um, so even if some of them didn't get a chance to perform, because I know some people had injuries during the combine, but they could still make it up at the pro timing day. They didn't get a chance to do that. So a lot of things were probably based off of just their film, which I feel like a lot of things should be based off the film yeah. and not and not all these just activities outside of your football. Like, but I, I, they look at those activities like running and jumping and all that as potential. But I also feel like it should, a lot of it should be more weighed on to how you perform when the lights come on. Um, so that probably hurts some people because they didn't have yeah. some of the things done. Like, uh, what was crazy is during my time at the University of Miami, we didn't see if that would happen to us. It would have been, it would have messed a lot of us up because interesting. It was a thing for us, the University of Miami. And when you get to the compound, we got invited. We'll go, but we yeah. didn't participate in anything. Huh. We didn't do any drills. <laughs> and our attitude was, "Oh uh, yeah, y'all like us. Y'all want to come to our pro timing day, so we'll see y'all there." So we were there for like all the like mental things yeah. and you know doing the physicals and all yeah. that type of stuff. But when it came to doing the forty, when it came to doing the, all those. Other activities, we didn't take part. We'll sit there. And they'll be mad because they they talked about us. Like, and if you guys want to be like these schools who come here and don't want to do it's like, yeah, we know you're talking about us because we don't agree with not doing it. But we know when our pro time day come, you're going to yeah. all show up. Yeah. So that was kind of, I guess, people looked at it as being arrogant. But that was a tradition from our school. And we wanted to kind of keep it going. Yeah. And um, we did. But if that would have been like this year, that would have kind of probably like messed some of us up because they would have never got yeah. a chance. Depending on the date, they yeah. might not have got a chance to see us perform. So yeah. um, that's, that's you know, I, the guys at the school do it now because they've gotten away clearly from a lot of things that we did traditionally. But um, that was probably the thing that was probably the biggest difference. But other than that, um, you know, being able to go to the draft, I was invited to New York and I went. Oh, cool. 
And um, it was like being on tour because you had to go to a lot of different places. You had to do the stock market bill. During the time I went, it was right after 9-11. So you oh, had to wow. go to fire stations. You had to, like, you were all over New York just going to a lot of places. And, um, you know, the draft that back then was on Saturdays. Started, like, around noon or something like that. So you had to, you know, be there on Saturday. And then you after you got drafted, you went straight to media. And you got interviewed by a whole bunch of people. And then from there, your team had your flight already arranged. Oh, wow. Since, since it started at noon. And your flight would be arranged. You had to fly right into that city. And um, you bring a jacket. You bring a jacket. It's probably cold as hell going from Florida to Minnesota. Right. I had on a suit, so I probably just had on my suit. <laughs> or what it was though, but yeah, it definitely was. I probably chilly going from. I was in New York, going from New York to uh, Minnesota in April. Maybe it wasn't too bad. I don't remember. It's interesting. And then, so was there? Was there? How, how was the adjustment period? Because you're basically in a basically a pro style offense, basically. You guys, you're more than ready, probably more than any more any other college football program. Was there a big adjustment period to adjust to the pro game, or was it relatively simple for you? It was simple. I just feel like when you get to the to the NFL, everything is more technique based because everybody's probably pretty fast and pretty strong. So now it's like you have to really hone in on your technique, and your technique becomes very big. Come even down to hand placement and things like that. So I feel like now I had to. But some things you could get by on not having the best technique, but just being able to be stronger, overpower people in college, but. Um, in the NFL level, you want to have good hand placement or feet placement, things like that. So I, I had to learn that. Oh, cool. And then, so fast forward a couple more years, they draft Adrian Peterson. What was your yeah. first impression? Um, that at the place felt like he felt like he was a robot. He did. He, <laughs> he was like a, a little machine. And I think he was always fascinated because of how big I was too. So it was like it was always me. He wanted to challenge. I guess he, I looked at even though we were on the same side yeah. of the ball. But every time, like, you have O-line and the, and the running backs have these little fake battles against each other, like wrestling and stuff like that, until, until one day uh, Tahi, one of our um, fullbacks, had got, like, bumped his head and had, like, a little black eye he can play. So from there, it had to stop. But prior to that, um, it'd be, like, little wrestling matches and stuff where they'd try to catch me by myself and, and fake jump me and stuff like that. <laughs> so he always wanted to go again. He always wanted to battle me. I said, I'm like the – I sound like the man at the end of the video game like, that you got to get towards <laughs> the last. So you always want to go against me. And he was like, yeah, I feel like you're more of a challenge than everybody else because you're whatever, stronger and stuff. So um, and what's funny is even on, I don't know, one of our posts recently sometime this year, we posted something in, in my comments. He said something on my Instagram. He said something about, I knew you was different because one day I hit you and I tried to hurry up and go past you. Like, he, this was after a game or something. We used to like hang out and we'd get back, take a little party bus. He said, and he thought he got away from me. He said he felt like this shove that like kind of like still saying, he said, and it wasn't even, like a full shove because he thought he was away from me, but he said my hand still like got to him a little bit. He like, I knew you was, had a different type of strength then. <laughs> but yeah, he, um, he's definitely like a machine. Are you surprised he's still, he's still going at it now? I'm not. Um, just looking at him, and his work ethic too. And that's what people have to realize. He has a great work ethic. Um, so I'm not really surprised. And just like um, Frank Gore has a great work yeah. ethic. Frank Gore is still going. Frank Gore is the only person that I think is still playing out of anybody that I played with, you know, from University of Miami. He's like still going. That's unbelievable. That's unbelievable. And then so then in 09, when you, when you went into the Pro Bowl, what clicked for you that, that, you, that, had you, that made you have such a great year? You know what's funny is I had a better year than 09. Like, 05 was a great year for me, oh, wow. too. 
it with me by us not having stats at offensive linemen is it's really based on your team. Yeah. So how well your team does, and that was the best record we had. We were twelve and four. We went to the NFC Championship. So all those things play in a factor for me because if you really look at the guys who make the Pro Bowl, it's basically for tackles and guards and all that. It's really about how well your team does because we don't have like pancakes. They don't keep track of the day. Like we don't have those things or amount of sacks. So it's really how well your team does, and those are normally the guys who kind of get. And then once you're in there, it kind of keeps happening. Like, well, who was last year? Because it's you get a paper on other positions and you get to see their stats. But us, you just kind of be like, well, who made it last year? Who did like you know what I mean? You, you yeah. really don't. So that's the only thing that probably I feel like they should probably kind of try to fix a little bit. Yeah, because you really don't know. You kind of just go; it just becomes like a popularity contest. Yeah, and then the guys who were ahead of me, they were popular, like Orlando Pace, yeah, Walter Jones. They were all older than me. Yeah, and Flozo Adams. All three of those guys were older than me, so I always kept being an alternate from like two thousand four or five. Yeah, and none of them act like they ever wanted to miss the Pro Bowl, so it, I was always the alternate. But <laughs> nobody ever would say, "All right, we're not gonna call out this year." So like. I've been an alternate for probably like four or five years and just finally made it because now they're starting to retire. And like now, like 2009, it's like, okay, he's been next in line forever. And uh, now I'm, you know, able to make it. But yeah, it's like once, you know, those guys make it and like Orlando Pace, he might have sometimes only played, summer one year he was injured like with a hamstring and played like maybe half of the season, but still was able to make it just because they were just, recognized his name and he might have came back like you know what I mean yeah so it was just things like that so we didn't have anything and then you know those were he was somebody I looked at as well Jonathan Ogden was in AFC at the time and I watched him but a lot of those guys would just continue to just make it because one they were good but then two you would they people were just used to hearing the name so uh and they knew they were good so you just automatically would just put certain people was 09 it was the Pro Bowl was it in Hawaii or Orlando no, it was in Miami. Oh, okay. Oh, Miami. Oh, interesting. Oh, cool. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. And then, so, th- so then fast the forward. The Super Bowl and the Pro Bowl was both in Miami that year. Really? Yeah. That's, that's wild. That's interesting. Huh. Damn, that's wild. And then, so, so in 2012 in Baltimore, uh, in Denver, Mile High Miracle. Could yeah. how, how vivid is your memory of that play? Um, I remember toward the end, I, um, I'm sitting on the sideline, like, Okay, I gotta start packing up my house. Like I'm thinking about like closing up my house. It's like we were down. Um, it was the end of the fourth quarter, so now I'm like, okay. Like in my mind, really thinking about how to close my house down. Cause you have to, you know, set the temperature. You gotta get stuff shipped back to Florida and all that. That's what I'm thinking. Like that, we came this far and we like really lost it. And then it was basically like, all right, this is it. Just try to give me a little time. And you know, you're blocking, but then you hear the crowd. You know, I, I didn't see yeah. you could catch you. I didn't see what happened. But you're just blocking, just trying to give this man time. And then all of a sudden, you hear the crowd, like, reaction, like, oh. So you're like, what happened? And all of a sudden, I look up, and I just see Jacoby by himself running. I'm like, I can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> we just pulled it. Like, so then I'm like, oh, my gosh. So like, and then from there, I was like, I knew we won because there wasn't even that much time left. And I was just like, I cannot believe this. And then once we got past them, I already knew. Because what's funny is the year before, we made it to the um, AFC Championship. And we were in New England. And, like, um, Evans, uh, is it Lee Evans? He had – Oh, yeah. They said yeah. he didn't catch the ball or whatever. Or whatever. So, 
they didn't count as a touchdown. So when they called for the kicker to come out and kick, our, for some reason our kicker head wasn't really into the game, and he came out there and he totally missed the kick. Wow. So we ended up losing the game. But I'm in the locker room that year. I remember Ray Lewis was like, "Oh, don't have your heads down. We had a great year because we went twelve and four that year." Yeah. Um. We had a great year. We're going to be back in the situation next year. Da, da, da. I'm like, yeah, right. What's the odds of us being back here in the AFC Championship against New England? And it, uh, sure enough, yeah. I was, we back in the same wow. position. So after we got past Denver, we ended up being back in the same position. But that time, our whole attitude was totally different. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, going to see them again was like, oh, we want to beat y'all this time. And that was the attitude. Like, it, it wasn't nothing less. And, I mean, that was the play where I think every got an interception and Brady tried to, like, slide and kick him and do something he tried to do like nest the end a little bit <laughs> and um we knew then like we had their number just because you had to even do that like you know and um yeah it was it was it, it that felt good to kind of get over that home and then that was my first you know after 11 seasons that's my first appearance in the super bowl and yeah. you gotta remember me and ed reed won a national championship together too yeah. so now we're able to finally join back together. that's awesome that's and then awesome. <laughs> go to the super bowl together too so we both were like uh, feeling great about that. But I'm going to tell you something funny that um, that first round in the playoffs, we had to play that, that year, that first round of playoffs, we played um, played uh, the Colts home. Yeah, yeah. Um, we were on the sideline, I think, offensive just got off the field. I remember sitting down, I was probably getting some water, and Ed came up to me. Ed came up to me. Uh, he was about to get on the field. So somehow they, they ended up having to walk past their bench. So Ed come up and tapped me to my – I'm gonna get the little dudes. You get the big ones. But that stems from something that happened to us in college um, when we got into like an altercation with Shannon Briggs. And I told Ed, I said, "Well, you get the little guy. I'm gonna get the big That's one." That's awesome. That's so, awesome. All those years later, it's like our 11th season. And Ed comes up out of nowhere. I don't know why he's thinking that, but Ed comes up to me about, "I'm gonna get the little ones. You get the big ones." <laughs> he says that friendly, and I kind of like die like laughing low key because I was like. I knew exactly what we were talking yeah. about. I was like, what made him think of that? But it made it also made sense too, because he's yeah. a DB and yeah. I'm offensive lineman. That's wild. And then so after after you guys beat the Broncos, heading back in the locker room, was everybody going nuts or were you like, we got one more game? Nah, everybody was trying to go nuts. And even when we flew back to um or on our plane, like a, a bunch of people from the city like of Baltimore, they knew where we flew into. And like, because we didn't fly into like the airport, it was like a private area. Yeah, yeah. And all of them, as you pull out with your cars, I mean, they're out there going crazy and, like, just yelling. That feeling alone just made you feel, like, good. And it was just, like, crazy just to see how many fans was there when you landed and celebrating and just happy the fact that, you know, even though we still had one more game, that that was a game we weren't supposed to win. And, and somehow we found a way to win. And, you know, so we had one more step to go. And then just the same way as after we – beat New England and we were able to fly back home those fans were out there and it, it just looked great to see that and then the city going crazy and it was just a, a, a great feeling and then Super Bowl so when, when all the lights flick off but what, what were you thinking I was like well, are we gonna do this game like finish it tomorrow like I, <laughs> I was confused because you know you heard I heard a noise and I was like, sound like something like was a little short. I was like, man, you heard it. And then you started seeing the lights bump in sections. And I'm like, what's going on? And then all of a sudden they were off. And I was like, and then at first, you know, they didn't know what was going on. Yeah. And then within 10 minutes, 
of that, um, they started telling us like, okay, this is what happened. Power outage. They think they're getting back on in the next 20 minutes. So, cause basically the whole 30 minutes of us with, you know, no power. But before that, I was like, man, I hope we don't got to come back here because I got to get off. Emotionally through all this again. I had to come back to finish this game. Um, and then, you know, when like the last five or ten minutes, when they knew like, let's be back on the five minutes, you know, start stretching. But, you know, for us as an offense, it kind of was bad because we hadn't been on the field in over an hour because, you know, um, halftime, you know, during the regular season, halftime is about 11 minutes. But for Super Bowl, halftime is 30 minutes. So okay. 30 minute halftime, Beyonce performed. I blame her for the power outage. <laughs> uh, and when we came back, we had the ball first on offense, but they kicked off the Jacoby. He ran it back for a touchdown. So now we've never touched the field. So you got that 30 minutes of us. Yeah. And then now Jacoby ran it back, never touched the field. So then um, defense is on the field, and their offense has been driving. And that's when the power went out. So then however much time that was, whether it was, you know, you know, game time is going to say probably like two or three minutes on the clock, but you know, it's probably like another 10 minutes or so in real time. And then you have power go out and then it's another 30 minutes of, so the rhythm for us, because their offense was, remember, their offense was on the field. Ours haven't been on the field in over an hour. That's wild. So the rhythm is like, when we had such a good rhythm and we were up, I'm going to say by like 21 points or so, you know what I mean? And that game ended up being like a five-point game because the rhythm and trying to get that chemistry back was just off because emotions were kind of everywhere. Like, we didn't know what's going on. It was kind of stretched. Like, the rhythm was just off. And then for defense, all it takes is for them to get momentum is out of 11 people, only one person got to make a play. You know what I mean? For offense, everybody has to be on one page to make a play. You know, so it kind of threw the rhythm off a little bit. And we were able to hold them off. At that point, I feel like we were just holding on. Yeah. And we were able to hold. And if you looked at the end, when our kicker was stalling to kick it, he running around in the end zone before he did it, like, we were holding on. And we were, able, we were able to. That's wild. That's wild. Because I, I, I'm from suburban Baltimore, so I remember the parade. We had a test that day. And we had four substitute teachers because none of them showed up. They all went to the parade. <laughs> <laughs> it was wild. I'm like, I'm like, what the hell is everybody? There's only three people here. It was, it was, it was wild. And actually, funny story. So I actually – so my, the, the catering company, my mother worked for actually caters all of the food for the Ravens. So I worked in the kitchen – that following summer, I remember they had, like, I think it was like they were, they, had, they were introduced, it's like all healthy food now. I, I remember that. And I remember it was just wild just being there. And I remember like they, I remember one day they had um, peach cobbler. And it was like the only day the whole summer I remember they had like super, not like not healthy food. And I remember they would only give McPhee one, one piece, something like that. They were like, yeah, he used to go to Wendy's. And I'm like, what do you mean he used to go to Wendy's? But I remember he wasn't happy. They'd only give him one piece. It was wild, but it was awesome. So that's wild. So then, so then after so following Baltimore, you go back to Miami, and then when when did you know, like, all right, I'm kind of ready to, to hang my cleats up? Oh, um, that following season. So after the Super Bowl season, I came back to Baltimore. I had took a, I took a visit because my contract was out. I took a visit to San Diego, which I actually liked a lot. Oh, cool. Um, I, and then Miami Dolphins had me coming for a visit, and I knew they needed the offensive line. But then I just felt like it was a comfort zone thing with Baltimore yeah. because I just came from there and I kind of knew the locker room. Yeah. So I kind of went back to Baltimore, even though people like Ed Reed left and Anquan Bolden, a lot of people were gone too that I was close with. I still came back, but I was also in the back of my mind, like maybe I should have went to San Diego just to try it and stuff like that. 
I came back, but then I asked, I had got injured, but I didn't know I was injured. Oh, I right. got injured in, in Baltimore, and I kept having issues with my knee, and I kept saying stuff every week, like, something on my knee. Because, like, it was after games, it would be swollen. Yeah. And I, like, I had to get drained. I'm like, something wrong with my knee. And then it's like, oh, you'll be all right. And then some weeks I would have to sit out. And then all of a sudden, it's like, here comes another offensive lineman who plays my position. And it's like, it's something y'all ain't telling me or something because now here comes, I forget his name, Eugene. He's coming in. And so now it's like, yeah, we're going to just rotate you guys. But like, yeah, because there's something clearly wrong with me. And then um, he's coming in. And then finally, you know, I keep asking for, like, to my knee to get looked at. And then, it gets looked at, but it gets read to me. I had wear and tear. Ah. It was just like, oh, just wear and tear because you've been playing for 12 seasons. And I'm like, okay, I guess. So eventually I was like, all right, I just want to go to the Boston, I mean, the Minnesota because, I mean, Miami because they need the help. Y'all got Eugene here. I feel like I asked him, uh, which part. And I had said something to Ozzy. And he was like, all right, well, you know, work with me. He said, I'll get you there. And then um, I said, y'all, you know, keep Eugene. I'll just go down there and help them. And then Ozzy made that happen, and then I came in. And when I got to Miami, um, you know, you go through physical and everything. <laughs> and when they read my report, I had a torn meniscus. Wow. They were like, did you know you had a torn meniscus? Wow. And I'm like, no, I didn't. And they're like, you know, Miami's, Miami's looking at it as – I had just played against Miami, like, probably, like, two weeks, of, you know, prior to me, you know, getting traded yeah. there. So, like, he just played against us. So, they're not looking at me having an injury. But they don't know because you know in NFL, a lot of yeah. people are injured, but you you just get treated during the yeah. week and don't post that you're injured because you know they don't want anybody to kind of yeah. like you know know that. So with me, I was never on injury reports and stuff, even though I was full out injured, and I and I was never told I was injured. It was just saying wear and tear because it's been twelve years. So when they got there and they just was like going over my my stuff, they looked at me like when they, I seen him put it up there, Doctor Uribe, and he was my. Doctor, when I was at the University of Miami. Wow. So he's the one who did my meniscus. I've torn my meniscus before, oh. twice, once in college and once when I was with um, Minnesota. So he's the one who's fixed it both times. So when he puts it up on the thing, he's like, and he looks back at me like, do you know that your uh, meniscus is torn? And I'm like, no, but I knew I was having issues with my knee. Um, they're like, oh my God. They're like, so we just traded for you. Uh, we don't know, you know, should we? Go ahead and let you have the surgery. He said, but you'll be out, you know, six to eight weeks, so you'll only be back to play the last two games of the season, which defeats the purpose of us oh, yeah. trading for you. They're like, or we could just try to do things to just make sure, like, the swelling stays down and, and you can still play. And I'm like, let's just you trade it for me. Let me just play and just, you know, and at the end of the season, we'll just see about me having surgery. And I played. And I played on an injured knee. And... and after that, I was just like, uh, I ain't kind of like how that went. Um, not really knowing and then still being out there and still like playing on something where I'm not even 100%, but it's like you keep putting yourself on film of playing on this injury. And oh well. So I was like, oh, I was kind of over it. And then the fact that, all right, I had just won the Super Bowl the year before. And then I ended up on the team where like five days after I got there, that they were having like this whole bullying thing. I was like, Oh, I forgot. I forgot. Wow. I forgot about that. I, forgot I was that only there for five days. So my first day there, you know, we started on like a Tuesday. We had um, practice. We played New England that first game. And then we turned around, we had a Thursday night game. So it was like that thing happened on a Monday. 
And it was like that whole bullying thing that everybody in Baltimore, yeah. was like, what's going on down there? Like, it was like, I don't know, it was crazy. They're saying bullying, but I thought the two guys were friends. You asked me, and it was just weird. So I was just like, this is not the locker room that I really care to be in anymore. Like, not this. Like, this is probably the worst and most, like, unorganized situation that I've been in <laughs> out of between Baltimore and Minnesota. So That's wild. Do I want to come back and deal with this? And is I'm I'm way far removed from what I just came from. Like, you know, we we were one game away from even making the playoffs. So if we'd have beat uh, the Jets in the last game of the season, we'd have made the actual playoffs, but we didn't. Ed Reed got an interception to kind of like seal that. And right. I was kind of like, what else? I was like, okay, I'm injured. Um, what else am I chasing at this point? Um, I think I'm okay with. You know, I kind of did everything you could possibly do. I, I made a Pro Bowl. I made a Super Bowl. Um, at this point, it's like I'm not going to keep – then I, ha- I would have to have surgery if I want to play again all that stuff. And then they were like, well, if you don't play on playing, you can just strengthen it. So I, that's what I've done, and it's actually been fine. Oh, cool. Because I'm not playing on it. But, yeah, oh. so I was over after that. That's awesome. And then so post-football, I know you're involved with a lot of, uh, like, organizations and philanthropies. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so Repent is one of them. Oh, cool. This is my hangover cure. Oh, I'm going to try that. Right. Yeah, it works. There's nanotechnology in it, too. Oh, cool. So you got to try and let your friend know it. So you can get it on um, www.drinkrepent.com. And you can also get it on Amazon. It's on oh, Amazon. Cool. So it has nanotechnology in it. So you have, it penetrates your cells and it, it gives it electrolytes and B12 vitamins, all the things you lose from strenuous workout, from being hungover and all that. And it kicks in about 20 minutes. About oh, cool. 20 minutes, and you kind of feel back to yourself. So I was getting a lot of people, you know, to try it, and they would give me, like, testimonials, and everybody was kind of saying how it worked for them. Oh, cool. um, sometimes some people would forget. Could you drink it at the end of the night, or you would drink it the next morning when you wake up, and you just feel like crap. Um, so that's one. And then I have a company called Let's Chat, where we put a plug-in into your website, and it'll convert your website into 104 different languages based on the oh, device, wow. based on your device setting. And then we have another feature that we just put out now where you text us. Um, we have a, like, it's on my Instagram. You text, you text us and you'll get like a little free trial for like a couple text messages. And we give you like a, like a, a number and you get that, you'll use that number to text people who have, you know, speak different languages. And it translates the conversation in real time. So say if I speak English and you speak French yeah. and yours is in French, I can text you in English and it'll convert to you in real time in French, um, like I said, up to 104 languages. And you'll never know if I'm speaking your language or not, but it translates for you. So that also helps with the language barrier as well. So um, we actually have been working with the NFL um, to get them, because they have, like they said, a lot of Spanish-speaking fans who, you know, come on websites and things like that, and you want to be able to have it converted for them. That's awesome. We do do device language. We do device setting instead of IP address because – you put an IP address for you uh, for like Miami. Miami has uh, about three hundred and three different languages spoken here. Wow! But, but based on the IP address, it's going to say English. So oh, that's wow. why we don't do IP address. We do device settings. So however, you know, you get your phone, your laptop. You have to set the device language. It does it based off that because the IP address will make sense. I was actually because I remember a couple weeks ago I was watching Juan Soto had his Instagram sort of Juan Soto from the Nationals and his he was talking to his buddy in Spanish and I I know a little Spanish like I know numbers. So I'm like mm-hmm. trying to figure out, I'm like, what is he saying? I'm like, all right, he said blue. 
I heard blue. I heard like eight. That's what that's all I knew. I, if I, I thought I had that, I couldn't tell the whole thing. So yeah, so, yeah, that's wild, wild. But this has been awesome, man. I mean, how can people find you um, on social media if they're not already following you? On social media, all my social media platforms are the same from Facebook to Twitter to Instagram, LinkedIn, everything is Brian McKinney, at Brian McKinney, B-R-Y-A-N-T, M-C-K-I-N-N-I-E. 